This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday edition, uh, August 8th of Invest Talk. I appreciate you being with me. August 8th. I can't believe how fast time flies. If you are a regular listener, you already understand the value of being a member of our Invest Talk community. On the other hand, if you happen to be a first time listener today, you are going to discover that we offer a practical blend of financial news and investing strategies and some advice. Now, my goal, our goal, is to always help you become a better investor. You can do this. You don't have to hire people. You can do this if you have the interest and time. And I don't have to do this alone because each day we mix in your calls, your questions. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you will be one of our callers today. It's easy. Just use our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. The lines are open right now, 888-99-CHART. Now, there's certainly plenty of financial market news to talk about, as there is every day. We'll get to as much as we possibly can during this Invest Talk Hour. I didn't get to many of the talking points yesterday, so I got some catching up to do. One story I will focus on today is the performance of the so-called big bank stocks. Have you been paying attention? They lagged the market significantly in the first two quarters, the first six months of the year. But now they're roaring ahead. They're really making a charge. Does this tell us anything about the economy? Anything new, at least, about the economy or what's going on? We're going to look into that. But first, let's demonstrate how your questions help shape the program. Here's a call that came in earlier in our 24-hour listen line, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Rick from Colorado, and I'm wondering about fundamental analysis. Um, you guys talk about it. You evaluate stocks really quickly on the show. And I was just wondering if you could recommend some books or websites or webinars to uh, help guide you know, us average uh, investors through uh, what you guys do for a good analysis. Thanks so much. Enjoy your show. Well, a, a thorough analysis takes a, analysis takes a very long time. What I do on the show is I, I have a picture of all the basic numbers, fundamental numbers on a company. And that's through a piece of software that's called uh, MarketSmith. Okay, and that's one of the pieces of software. I'm working on a different, a different piece of software to give me a little bit more in-depth snapshot of uh, the company. Um, and I'm going to start using that next week or the week after. I'm just building out a spreadsheet of all the data I need to share with you. But that's where I'm getting it from. Uh, Books, there's all kinds of books on our website that you can read. There's very good books. The The best book out there on value investing is the, uh, the book called Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. And that book was written, you know, we're talking about 80 years ago. And it's still the best book out there on value investing. Um, fundamental analysis is... Looking at all the, the data that the company produces, earnings, profit margins, debt, all the data that the company has that tells us what the company's financial health is. Okay, and there's many places, Investopedia has tutorials. There's many places that you can go to get this information, but it's only, the only way to get really familiar is time. Time. 
putting in the time to, to understand what a balance sheet is. Putting in the time to understand how debt affects this particular company that you're looking at or this particular sector. It's not simple. It's not. It takes time. Okay? Now, base stocks have had an industry run in 2008, widely expected to outperform as a result of the tax reform deregulation. But they lagged the market significantly in the first six months of the year. But so far in this third quarter, which just got started, we're just into it, you know, one and a half months or so, so far, they've really made a big comeback. But does that tell us? What is that telling us? By the way, this is a, uh, we found this story on Investopedia.com. Now, to clarify, the big six U.S. banks are Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. Those are the big six banks, okay? All six have, have participated in this rally, this recently recent rally. The widely followed KBW NASDAQ Bank Index, symbol BKX, tracks the share price of performance of the 24 largest U.S. banks. It's called the Big Bank Index, up 3.7% for the year, year to date. But if you look at KBW, instead of BKK, KBW, that's the NASDAQ Regional Bank Index, that, that index has gained 4.4%. But remember, I'm telling you, all of this came in the, right after the, this recent quarter, the quarter we're in. So, and J.P. Morgan, by the way, is, you know, cited to be the big bellwether of the big banks, given that it's, you know, has the, the largest asset base. Uh, so, and it's considered also, you know, well-run enterprise across divisions and span of major facets of the entire industry. So, while the disappointment for investors in small bank index, it, you know, it's much, a, a very big, blue chip type bank. So is it telling us anything? Is it telling us? Well, I think it's telling us that, you know, the economy is still healthy. I think that's what's trying to tell us. And that it's probably still going to be healthy for a little while. I think. I think that's what it's trying to tell us. Sometimes these things are pretty hard to figure out. Now, before you get carried away, there's also a bearish view. It's not all bullish. Despite the recent advance, four of the big six listed above still have share prices that are down on a year-to-date basis. They just made a big comeback. They're still down, though, four of the six for the year. Okay, and that's Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo. So bears, bears base much of their pessimism on the fact that the big double-digit percentage earnings gains enjoyed in 2008 will not be replicated in future years. That's what the bears think. Well, maybe, maybe not. That's a quick look at banks, everybody. If you've got investment questions, whether they are stock-specific or sector-specific, or perhaps you have a wish to get help determining your best overall strategy, Justin and I encourage you to get in touch with us. Your calls are always welcome at our Dana Point office. You can also set up a Skype connection if you like, or you can get me a message through the email through investtalk.com. But now the phone lines are open. And I'll answer your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 
What's our featured talking points today? The eight dogs of the Dow. Do you remember the dogs of the Dow, that strategy? Well, they're up positive in July for the year. Hmm. Eight dogs of the Dow. So I'm going to go over that strategy real quick, and we'll go over the stocks themselves and talk about it. That Yesterday, I wanted to get to the, the stock sectors most often beats analyst estimates. Remember, the analysts every quarter predict how much the earnings are going to be. And they always undershoot because they want it to be positive so that every quarter estimates are beaten by most of the companies. The estimates are low and they're beaten. It's, it's Wall Street's way of trying to play you. That's what they are. They're trying to guide you with your certain expectations to guide your emotions. Anyways, we're going to talk about that. Then I have a positive and a negative spin on the market. Seven reasons why you need to lighten up on stocks today. That's market watch. And in the same market watch, the bull market in stocks gets a new lease on life. Both of these are true, by the way. They don't have to be mutually exclusive, positive and negative. Anyways, hopefully we get to those today. I really want to. Uh, the market was mixed. The Dow was down 45. The Nasdaq up 5. And the S&P down 1. The market was mostly down most of the day. Nothing traumatic or anything. But it was mostly down most of the day. So, and it was up strong yesterday. Market is still, you know, I think the Dow is like 4% or 4.5% below its high for the year, what came in in January. But it is above its close of last year. So it's kind of right in that, still not rallying, but it's coming back. Uh, it's not, I was not, that's probably a misstatement. It is rallying, but it's not broken into new high territory. So uh, it's, it's been a, a year of just kind of moving sideways. It gets to about this point, then it starts to roll back down. I do think, and I think I've mentioned this about 150 times on this radio show, that by year end, we'll have a positive year. By year end. Just not maybe now. But good. Now, I want to provide a heads up for our loyal listeners in the Bay Area. I have reserved Wednesday, August 29th, for my return to San Jose. Yes, I will be taking appointments for personalized portfolio views. And yes, I only have a couple slots left. So if you wanna if you wanna sit down with me, I really can help you. There's no cost, no no requirements, no I don't try to talk into anything, I'm not that way. So register through investtalk.com. That's investtalk.com. And now the phones are always open, 99 chart. We're open right now. And this is InvestTalk. It's a Wednesday Invest Talk. The weather's been warm, but maybe set to cool down a bit. And many of you will have a few hot topic questions. So why not call now? Steve is here, and he's waiting for your market and investment questions. The lines are open, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Dogs of the Dow, the dogs of the Dow. That is a pretty famous strategy. That's been around, oh gosh, for as long as the Dow's been around, maybe. I don't know. But decades. Been around for decades. And what it is, is you're supposed, uh, the Dow 30 stocks. Of the Dow 30 stocks, 
you every year you buy the highest, the 10 highest yielding of those stocks. Now you can buy the eight highest yielding, you can buy the five highest yielding, but the 10 highest yielding is usually the number we use. The highest yielding, meaning the 10 stocks are paying the highest dividends, which subsequently often is the lower lowest price in comparison to the dividend. So the highest yielding, lowest price stocks, those are the dogs now. Every year, you rebalance by getting rid of the ones that are no longer the 10 highest yielding or you know whatever's in the next and replace it, replace it with the highest yielding stocks of the new year. And sometimes you keep these stocks. They don't always, you know, shoot up or anything. But it's been a very consistent strategy. So here's eight of those 10. Chevron, IBM, Coca-Cola, Merck, Pfizer, Procter Gamble, Verizon, and ExxonMobil. Those are the highest yielding Dow stocks. Now, what have they done so far this year? Well, they're up nine-tenths of one percent. They're not up big, but they are up. But the year's not over yet either. But they, this this strategy is a consistent, it's consistent in winning. Okay? So the eight dogs of the Dow for 2000 ended up July with an aggregate year-to-day return of nine-tenths of a percent versus a decline of 3.2% at the end of June. So from June, for the month of July, these things went up 4.1%. Dogs of the Dow. Isn't that interesting? Okay, I find it interesting. I don't know about you, but I find it interesting. It is a strategy you can you should look up and read, and it is a pretty sound strategy. Um, I don't implement it in any of my programs, but I do keep a close eye on those dogs of the Dow each year and take a look and see if there's any of those that we might consider buying based on the fundamentals. But I think you should, uh, and, and the average investor out there would do well to understand how it works and maybe consider it as part of their portfolio. This is Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and it's worth mentioning that this program, Invest Talk Radio, is just one of our integrated information and education platforms. So, yes, please tell your friends about Invest Talk Radio and also about Invest Talk Podcasts, you know, uh, investtalk.com. But now the phone lines are open and waiting for your financial call. 888 99 Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? Please do. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And right now, Steve is here and he's taking your calls live. 888 99Chart. 888 992 4278. Let's go to Nav in Bakersfield. How are you doing, Nav? Good. Hey, uh, Steve, I have a question about a uh, ticker symbol V as in Victor, Edward, David, Lion, V E D L. I just want to know okay. uh, what you think of the stock and if it's a good time to get in. Okay, this is an ADR for everybody, including you now. That means it's a foreign company trading on the New York Stock Exchange. I think, it, yeah, New York Stock Exchange. It is from India. 
It's an Indian company engaged in mining and exploration of copper, zinc, aluminum in India and Australia. It is a $9.6 billion company, so it's you know almost a big cap, kind on the cusp of being a big cap. What's interesting is that they say that the dividend yield is 18% dividend. Now, that seems very, very high. Let's look at the other fundamentals. We, in 2018, it made $1.60 a share. It's a $12.97 stock and made $1.60. So that tells you that the P.E. is what, 8? Now, don't get too excited about that, Nav, because the five-year range is 4 to 14. So it's always had a pretty low P.E. range. Most mining companies have low P.E. ranges. Now, this company has been growing very nicely, but its growth rate is slowing. It went from, oh, 25 to 30% a year ago to today, it, uh, it's uh, up until this most recent quarter, it, was, it grew only 4%. So that growth rate has slowed way down, and that's probably why it's, it's fairly inexpensive at this point. Return on equity is really big at 170%. That's huge. Cash flow is really huge at $8.59. It does not have much debt. Management owns over 60% of the stock. So they, you know, they're very focused on this company. Having said all that, looking at a chart, it looks like it put on a bottom around $12. And now it's been coming off that bottom since the middle of July. And this probably, if you're going to be a buyer at NAB, this probably is a good time to step in and buy it. All right. Okay. Okay, but I don't want good. you to think, uh, Nab. Don't necessarily think that it's going to get, pay 18% dividend, though. It that 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 might be difficult to do. It has plenty of cash flow, but the profits are a little skinny for 18%. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Nab. Good luck. V E D L is a symbol. Everybody, Vendata Limited. It's an ADR company out of India. Okay. Okay, the stock sector most often beats analyst estimates. We have over 80% of the companies, about 85, 90% now, uh, reported of the S&P 500, reported their earnings for the uh, for the uh, uh, second quarter, or is it the third quarter? Uh, March, June, yeah. Uh, so we have most of those earnings numbers in, okay, for the second quarter. And just a reminder, the analysts always, always guide low so they can try to beat the analyst estimates so that's good news, right? And the average of all the companies beating their estimates that are reported is about 70%. So 70% beat the estimates. So that's the average. This most recent quarter, the second quarter, 81% of the companies beat their average. So it was better than normal. So you got to play the stock market game. You got to understand how it's played by the professionals so that you can understand that 80% is really good, but if it was 60%, that would be bad. 60% beating the earnings estimate of the S&P 500 would be a poor result. Poor. But doesn't it sound like it would be better better than that cuz 60% beat there? No. Not when you're talking about Wall Street parlance, okay? Now, which sectors beat 
the stocks in the sector, which one outperformed the others that beat their estimates in the sector? Telecommunications was number one. Problem is, there's only three stocks in that sector. 100% of the telecommunications stocks beat their estimates. Beat them. Well, there's only three stocks. So that, and that's at, what? At, uh, AT&T, Verizon, and uh, what was the other one? CenturyLink. CenturyLink. Those three, big deal. The second one that came in second, 97% of all healthcare stocks beat their estimates. And there's 63 companies in that sector. 97%. Now, normally you would think it might be in information technology. That sector would generally beat their estimates. And that you're correct. That, that they are 93%. There's 71 companies in that sector. And then it's materials, industrials, and consumer staples. And then utilities, consumer discretionary. All these are above 75% or higher of beating their earnings estimates. So try to remember, the game is, yeah, they're going to beat their estimates, but how many companies beat their estimates? And by how much? Because... It's going to be it's going to be 70% almost all the time or more. If it's below that, that's not good. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, an economic lesson, the crashing downfall of Movie Pass. Competitors are rising and this could benefit the movie industry and its patrons. So rejoice movie fans. I'm one of those. I like to go to movies. I'll get into this tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, I'm at my desk and ready to take your questions now at 888-99 chart. Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP Financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Principal Steve Peasley has renewed his limited time offer of a free portfolio review conducted during in-person appointments in San Jose, California. The date will be August 29th. And you must register soon at investtalk.com. Would you like to speak with Steve right now? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Chris in Walnut Creek. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Um, I just want to know your opinion on this ETF called... T, I think, Tom, triple Q, T, 
Okay. This is, uh, of course, the NASDAQ 100 exchange-traded fund corresponding to 300% or three times the daily performance of the NASDAQ 100 index. So this is what we call a leveraged fund, and leverage can be very beneficial or and very dangerous, okay? So it can be both things. If, this, if the NASDAQ, the QQQ, is going up, this should perform about three times better than that. Now, try to remember, when the NASDAQ goes down, this will go down three times more than the NASDAQ. So it's a very, very high-risk play. And even though it says it's three times, it's very difficult for these leveraged funds to maintain exactly three times. It can come pretty close, but they do have tracking errors, meaning they don't track exactly up and down three times. So if you believe the market's going to go up and you want to take some risk, this would be very high risk. But if you're right, you'll be a big winner in it. If you're wrong, if the market goes down 10% or this goes down 10%, you'll lose 30%. If it goes up 10%, you'll gain 30%. Very, very risky, Chris. But, you know, it depends on how much risk you want to take. At this point in the market, would you take a position in this ETF? I would not. Uh, not at this point in the market. Not. I okay. would do. I w you know when I would do it, Chris? If we get a really good correction in the next couple months or so, then I would probably consider it. Because you want to buy probably it when it's low. Tire. If, if, if Trump yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, uh, you want to wait for something. You want to wait for something that corrects the market but doesn't move us into a uh, into a bearish market, but just a correction. And that's when you could buy this and write it up. If you buy it now, you're buying it pretty extended, already up pretty high for the year. I mean, it's it's gone up pretty strong for the year already. So, I don't I don't know if I would chase it. Thanks for the call, Chris. Appreciate it. That's T Q Q Q. Everybody, T Q Q Q. Okay, the ball market stocks gets a new lease on life. Now, this is an article from. Uh, an opinion piece, actually, from Mark Holbert. Holbert has been around for a while, a long time, and he studies uh, investor sentiment. He studies uh, uh, newsletters that are bullish or bearish, and he, he compiles information on them. Okay? So during a recent week, uh, you know, he's saying that the, the there was a short-term trigger for market timers that made them exit the market strongly. And now uh, the sentiment, the wall of worry is pretty strong. So he's saying that we're probably going to get a rally and it's probably going to be in the next few weeks. And this article came out last week. Okay, so he's been pretty much... Uh, his calls are pretty good. The, the trick is, is no one knows where the top is and no one knows where the bottom is. But he can recognize by his studies extremes. So if you're a short-term investor, he is saying that the market looks pretty bullish. 
Now, longer term, it's not the case. Longer term, there is worry out there, a lot of worry. And that is another talking point that I'm going to get into. But there's an association out there, the AAII, which is the uh, which is a group of, uh, of individual investors, okay? Association of, uh, of individual investors. And they do surveys of their members. And the surveys tell us if they're bullish or if they're bearish and how much. And these surveys, it's very interesting. It's a contrarian kind of call. When they're very, very bullish, the American Association of Independent Investors, AAII, when they're very, very bullish they're, uh, in their stance, that's when you should cut back, get out of stocks, cut back. If they're very, very bearish, that's when you should get into the stocks. Just the opposite of what you might think. It's a contrarian kind of call. And it's been pretty consistent over the years. Now, why doesn't everybody do it? Why doesn't you know it work all the time for everybody? The problem is, is well, what's there's there's what's the extreme? There's there's no there's no bell rung at the turning point. So if they're very very bullish, well, maybe they're going to continue to be bullish for the next two months. Maybe they'll get even more bullish, right? So you may if you sold when they got very bullish. And you got out, you got out too early. See, and the same thing with being bearish. How bearish is bearish? How, how deep? This is the problem. How long does it stay that way? This is the problem. You can really never time the market. You really can't. And I know people have been trying it forever and ever. But you really can't. Because, you know, even if all these signals point one way, the market always have a, has a way to embarrass the most people. It just does. So don't think that any of these kinds of signals can really make you get in and out, in and out. That's not going to work. It just doesn't work. It's been proven over and over and over again. It's very difficult to do. Now, in a broad sense, you know, maybe you can lighten up and maybe you can get more heavy depending on what the economy is doing in and out of the market you know that you can do i've been very good about avoiding the, the really sharp downturns since 2000 so but you really can't time the market you can't new listeners to invest talk may not realize that kpp financial has been producing this program for about 20 years did you know that and just and i are glad to continue making the investment because it makes us reliable a go-to source for investors we also know that some of you will recognize that our training experience can be brought to your table to help you maximize the earnings strategy of your portfolio, to protect your portfolio, do things that you can't do. But that doesn't tell me you can, you can do it yourself, you can learn this. But it's a win-win situation for all of us. Information for you and clients for me, and that's what this, whole, this rodeo show is all about. Okay? So if you want to sit down with me, you can. No cost portfolio reviews. We do this all the time. But now we are taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. 
For Invest Talk listeners who missed the opportunity to sit down with Steve in July, there will be a second chance. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th. Space is limited, so please register now at investtalk.com. When you meet with Steve, he'll offer personalized portfolio guidance. He'll help you determine a strategy that can maximize your earnings. Of course, all listeners are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office or request a Skype collaboration. But if you live anywhere in Northern California, August 29th is the date you should save to meet in person with Steve. You can learn more now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and Steve is ready and taking your questions 888-99-CHART. I just found your podcast and truly enjoy it. My question is whether we should continue to contribute to our child's 529 for college. Our only child is a young teenager and has expressed an interest in attending medical school. We contributed only a couple thousand to our child's 529, yet we have earmarked 100,000 in our brokerage account that we do not need for retirement and that we were intending to use to fund our child's college. Should we invest extra money that we have monthly into the 529 or into the brokerage to potentially limit using all from all funds from our brokerage for this college purpose? What makes the most financial sense? Thank you for your reply and for the podcast. Okay, that's a good question. Uh, your child is a teenager. There's the there's the clue here. There's the uh, determining factor in my mind is how old is the child? You have a 529. Everybody, what is a 529 plan? That is a college education plan in which you can put up to, uh, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen $18,000 a year in. And this is, uh, that money can, can grow tax-free. But it's after tax money that gets in there. This is not like an IRA. It's like a Roth IRA. It's, you pay taxes on the money, but it gets to grow tax-free. So the longer it can grow, the better off it is because that's all tax-free money. In your brokerage account, you know, that money that you grow, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. You're going to pay capital gains taxes when you sell it to pay for any of the investments to pay for the college. There, there lies the difference. One, you know, the, it's great that you put that money aside, and congratulations, that's really good. But that 100000 that you put in a brokerage account, whenever you start to sell it, you're going to pay capital gains on that, you know, whatever it is that you have, whatever gains you have. Where in the 529, whatever you sell on that, there's never going to be. But you said he's a young teenager. Since you said also he's going to med school, that's like eight more, eight years of education, right? Uh, upper education. So it might be wise to continue to put money in the 529 plan because he's going to go to a four-year college and then med school and, you know, whatever else, you know. So it might be wise to continue putting money in it because it still has time to grow tax-free. And that's the key, growing tax-free. So I would probably pump money into the 529 plan. I would. But good question. Thank you. It's always best to start the 529 plan when they're babies and just keep putting money in it. The younger you put money in it, the longer time it has to grow, the better off you are. Okay? Okay, seven reasons why you need to lighten up on stocks today. Why? 
Now, this is more at a broader look. The article I had mentioned before was more of just a kind of a, uh, a sentiment model kind of thing in which, you know, the, the sentiment is bullish or bearish. But this one is a longer, broader look. And it also starts off with looking at the sentiment of investors. And that's why the reasons think it should lighten up, because it thinks that the sentiment of investors is too bullish. You know, it's been bullish for some time. So, also, uh, the train wreck season is approaching. What does that mean? That means that there's been times in history in which the market has severely crashed in just one, two days a week. For instance, in 19, was it, 1987, uh, on, on um, October 20th, the Dow went down 508 points. That was 20%. I have the Wall Street Journal old yellow tattered newspaper right in my hands reading it. That, you know, a repeat of the 29 depression in 1987 is not expected. Stocks plummet 508 amid panicky selling. So September and October are known to be months that are really bad. But they're also known for bottoms of the market too. Bottoms. So that's this, this article saying, hey, we're approaching the riskiest, the most volatile time of the, of the, of the market. Valuations are rich, in which they are rich. They're expensive. Stocks are kind of on the expensive side, historically speaking. Labor shortages spark inflation. So, yeah, the Fed is really worried about inflation, and they're already raising rates and have been to fight the, the, the expected inflation that's coming. Then, of course, we have the trade war uncertainty. So there's issues and reasons why you might want to lighten up on the stocks that you own. It's never simple. It's never. Now, let me say this. If you are a buy and holder, and you truly are a buy and holder, then you don't care about anything short term. You just stay with the market. And there's absolutely nothing wrong. That is a good way to make money in the stock market. As long as you have plenty of time, and as long as you're not taking too much risk, more risk than you're comfortable with, you just stay the course. You make sure you have good, solid companies with good fundamentals, and stay the course. That's all you have to do. Don't have to listen to any of this short-term noise at all. Okay? Now, it's hard to believe, but this Wednesday, InvestTalk program is almost finished. That's today. We're almost done. But we're still got about 10 minutes left, so maybe you want to talk about something financial with me. What's ever on your mind, as long as it's financial, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, an economics lesson, the crashing downfall of MoviePass. Competitors are rising, and this could benefit the movie industry and its patrons. That's all tomorrow on Invest Talk. But right now, stay
Steve is here, ready and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. This is Stephanie from Phoenix, and I have a question regarding the stock for Medtronic. M is in Mary, D is in dog, T is in Tom. It's doing well. I bought in at approximately $72 over a year ago, and obviously it's up almost to its resistance. The only thing I regret is that I bought only 20 shares and kind of kicking myself. My question for you is, since it's up, should I see if it goes up a little more and then sell it off? and make a small profit off of it? Or do you think it has a good chance of breaking resistance in the next six months or so? I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay, this is Medtronic PLC. It's out of Ireland. It's a de- it develops, now when I say out of Ireland, that's where it's a domiciled, okay? But it probably was in the U.S. and moved to Ireland for tax reasons some time ago. So it's probably a U.S.-based company, but they moved their headquarters to Ireland. Developed implantable cardiac rhythmic devices, spinal implants, and other device-based medical therapies. It's a $122 billion company, so it's a mega cap. It's big. They're going to make $5.12 a share this year. That's up 7% from the year before. And next year, they're going to make 556 as another 8%. And the yield is 2.2%. So it has a decent dividend yield. And it's moved up, as she said, from the mid-70s, the high 70s, to now $90, $90.81. And it did that since April, basically. Okay, when it was around $77. $77 was a very strong support area. Now, she's worried that it's getting pricey, and she's right. It is getting pricey. The five-year P.E. range, you know, is between 13 and 20, and it's at 19 now. So it's pretty much near the top of its range. Uh, I wouldn't just sell it, though, because it's at a new 52-week high. It's been breaking up on new 52-week high for, like, you know, a month. So what you do is you want to follow it up is what you do. You follow it up with a stop. And I would probably follow it up with a 20-day moving average stop. Have you ever heard me say that before, everybody? I'm not sure. What that means is you put a 20-day moving average on a daily chart on the stock. And you can do that by going to stockcharts.com. And if you do, you'll see that the 20-day moving average is $89.20, and the stock is at $90.81. The first time it breaks below that 20-day moving average, sell it. That would lock in your profits. That's a short-term sell signal is what I'm giving you. Now, that's tight. That's pretty tight. But you need it to be tight if you want to lock in profits and not lose too much on uh, on a downfall. If you're a long-term holder, you just need to ignore the stock, put it in a drawer, and leave it alone. You get 2.2% per year dividend and let it, let it run for as long as you can, 10 years, 15 years. It'd probably do very well. Uh, the only time you would want to get out of it is something changes about the company. Something fundamentally changes because it's a strong company. Sales growth is 3 to 4%. Remember, it's a $122 billion size. It's hard to grow that big of a company very much, but it is consistently growing 3 to 5% per quarter. 
Okay, and earnings are consistently growing. So over time, it should get, the stock should go up over time. And that's MDT, Married Dog Thomas, everybody. Okay, uh, U.S. debt. No one, is anybody talking about the debt that the United States is in? No one talks about it anymore. No one pays any attention to it. If we stay on the path we are on, we'll be doubling this debt in about 30 years or so. 30 years. We, the, the debt we have, right by 2048, the debt we have today will be 200% of GDP. 200% if we stay on the same path. We cannot do that. Something has to be done. I'm not saying you have to go out and do something right now, but we got to stop spending more than we're earning. It's as simple as that. And that's what the government, the, our, our government is doing. We're spending a lot more than we're earning. It's going to affect stock prices at some point when someone, when enough people pay attention to it. No one's paying attention to it now. Okay, everybody, that completes another informative event stock program. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it was informative for you. Your questions always make it much more interesting. Remember, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so on demand from the podcast page at investtalk.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, and good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.